In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity, amen. My friend Mark is fond of saying, quote, we hear something that begins, here is the news, differently from something that starts once upon a time. We hear something that begins, here is the news, differently from something that begins once upon a time, end quote. This may very well be because one introduction is drier and less imaginative than the other, or because our posture of listening is simply more receptive and less defensive when our bodies are preparing to hear a story as opposed to a technical paper or a sermon, if it's bad. <laughs> and this is not an invitation for you to judge my sermons or any of ours. <laughs> May have opened a can of worms. Hearing once upon a time is immediately disarming calming, which may also be why fiction is the preferred bedtime companion for millions of people. It places tense, throbbing hearts at rest. Jesus, located among a story-based people, was a prolific storyteller. His parables and stories and prayers and poems are sprinkled throughout the four Gospels and craft imaginariums and narrative arcs and twists and turns and surprises that have kept listeners on edge for millennia. I have long been intrigued by the media of Jesus' public work, parables in some instances and physical demonstrations in others. Remember how Jesus uses his body to bend over and write a mysterious message in the dust in John's gospel. With that one gesture, he creatively disarms a mob ready to shame and execute a powerless woman. The time it took to write in the dust, instead of the message written, may be what offers the space the woman needs to return home unharmed. And that is the wisdom of Jesus' medium, the space it offers his listeners. He does not tell them or us or anyone what to think or how to feel. Instead, he offers us the space to slow down, to rest, to be quiet enough to feel God pursuing us, loving us. Notice, if you will, how this story is left open-ended, open to interpretation, open to meditation, not unlike a retired couple finally having the time to build a patio on which to drink coffee on cool autumn mornings. A place to be, a place to receive grace, a place to waste time, a place to listen. 
Jesus as storyteller gives us the permission we need to hear his stories the way a water skier might ride a lake. For the sensation of the spray splashing onto her face. Enjoy the spray of the text, one of my favorite Bible professors always says. In addition to being my friend, Mark is a priest in the Church of England and has written widely about the interplay between poetry and the baptized imagination. In the introduction to one of his books, he says the following. The phrase splash of words is a good description of poetry. When you read a poem, there is an initial splash, like a pebble thrown into a lake. The words disturb your surface and have their impact. Then the poem begins to do its work with its ultimate meaning found not in the words, but in us, in our response to the words, end quote. I have very, very smart, wise friends. A part of listening to Jesus' stories is not only wincing when hearing of Lazarus's open sores or the cruelty with which he was treated, but being curious as to why Lazarus, the poor beggar, is named and the rich man is not. It is counterintuitive. It is usually the wealthy, the rich, the powerful, the male who go named in our cultural stories and the impoverished, the marginal, the powerless who remain relegated to the dustbins of history, forgotten. And yet Jesus' stories turn the cliches, the expected on their heads. It is Dr. Nancy Lynn Westfield a theologian at Drew University's theological school who notices the rich, unnamed man's lack of self-awareness. Imagine ending up in the Bible and the story about you being about being not self-aware. Even in Hades, she writes, his conversation with Abraham and his request of Lazarus reveal that he still feels entitled to services, care, and consideration from those of the lower class. He wants Lazarus to do his bidding for him. Even in Hades, the rich man wants the labor of the poor to support his family. Even in Hades, he does not understand the notions of compassion, equity, or justice, end quote. The rich man is a person who cannot settle into a story, who cannot use his imagination to conjure up compassion for his poor neighbor, who cannot do this even in Hades. This is a person not so much tormented by fire as he is by an incapacity to feel, to be compassionate an inability to imagine a web of human connection outside of himself, his family, and his personal business interests. And yet, the God of Lazarus is the God of this rich man.
The God who welcomes Lazarus into the bosom of Abraham does not fail to be present to and for the rich man. This is not a matter of God being cold or distant, but of a rich man unwilling or perhaps unable to let the spray of love splash on his cheeks. Amen.